honestly, if I'm paying everybody else and not paying myself, that's a priority problem, right? <laughs> exactly. And actually, it does a lot to really help uh, relinquish fear, right? So if I'm freaking out about money, I'm not good for anybody at that point, you know? Like, it's, it's really hard for me to look at my contractors and be like, here's all my money, and I'm struggling at home. Like, that, that's not going to work for me, you know? I, Mama, I'm going to take care of herself first. <laughs> Mama needs to take care of herself first. I love this quote because I believe many female entrepreneurs forget to take care of themselves. And I'm talking about physical health, emotional health, as well as financial health. I always wonder why we don't talk about financial health as often as we talk about physical and emotional health. It seems like many female entrepreneurs hide from this specific topic. One thing about financial health is just like physical and mental health. It can sneak up on you and suddenly you are unhappy with your business. You are bitter because you are not paying yourself first. Instead, you paid all your suppliers and contractors and left nothing for yourself. Well, it means that you are not appreciating yourself. Listen, I get it. You care about other people. In my past corporate life, I dealt with people who care only for their financial benefit and ignore everybody else. I don't ask you to focus only on yourself. I am asking you to give the oxygen mask to yourself first and your business so you can continue to spread your message, your service, and your product to the world. So please pay yourself first. Include your salary as part of your cash outflow. You're listening to Her CEO Journey, the podcast where we talk about the importance of creating a sustainable business through the power of finance. I am your host, Christina Shahli, Chief Financial Officer and Cashflow Consultant. I am here to change how you look at your business finance. Remember this, finance is S-E-X-Y. Supportable, explainable, extra metrics to assess your business and yours only. Finance is unique to you and your business. Finance empowers you not to be clueless when it comes to your money. And it empowers you to be in this entrepreneurship journey for the long game. My special guest today is Stephanie Stiafetti. Stephanie is a trained chef and cooking teacher over at Fearless Fresh, an online cooking school that teaches people to become a total kitchen ninja. She turns people who fail at cooking into master cooks. Let's listen to Stephanie CEO Journey. Stephanie Stiafetti, welcome to her CEO Journey. Thanks for having me. So a little bit background about Stephanie. She is a chef and a cooking teacher over at Fearless Fresh, an online cooking school that teaches people to become a total kitchen ninja. She turns people who fail at cooking into master cooks. So I am super excited to have her here and then share with my audience about your journey, Stephanie. How, what happened? When did it happen? What is your why? Oh my goodness. It's been such a long journey. So I've been cooking for years and I actually started cooking when I was a little kid. You know, the whole story of like cooking with my grandmas and, uh, you know, they taught me how to bake and I made my first pad of shoe when I was like, 10 years old and I used to make uh, like cream puffs and like all sorts of crazy stuff. And then, you know, I got into high school and cooking wasn't cool. <laughs> and so I, you know, yeah. 
And then I actually started having a, with a career in tech. I was an enterprise IT manager and I used to manage tech support teams. Wow. Seriously? Yeah. I was, a, I was like one of the few women in the tech world and I loved my tech career because it was very like driven and rawr. Okay. Uh, but then in my mid twenties, I got very sick and I developed ulcerative colitis and was in and out of the hospital for years. I, I mean, I was basically non-functional for three years and you know, my doctors were talking about, you know, putting me on chemo drugs and like they wanted to take out my colon. And it was like this whole like awful thing when you're in your 20s and you still feel like young and vibrant and then your life is being snatched away from you. You know, all, all these things that they were talking about, they never mentioned food, right? And so I, I thought about it and uh, I realized I'd been living on like burritos and Chinese food and, you know, like, you know, whatever takeout was available in my neighborhood, right? Because, like, I was busy. I was a young urban professional. So on the way home, I would, like, grab a burrito or I would grab a huge thing of, of, you know, rice and vegetables and I would just eat that. And Those are good. Oh, yeah, that was great. But unfortunately, like, all that restaurant food, you know, my body just didn't like it. Also, I was in a, uh, a not great marriage at the time and we all know that misery will actually kill you. <laughs> so I, uh... Basically, I changed my diet and noticed my health improving like very quickly and then realized very quickly that I, I didn't know how to cook anymore. And so I had to really relearn how to cook. And I found that I was really passionate about food. Like I was not only passionate about like, you know, the health aspect of it and what was happening with my body as I was changing my diet and my lifestyle, but I was really passionate about the food itself. And I became, you know, kind of a super foodie, which is interesting because I come from a very Midwestern family where they're like big dinner out every week at like Taco Bell or Fresh Toys. And so as my culinary prowess grew, you know, I kind of like, I baffled my family because they didn't, they, they don't really cook. They don't know anything about food. And so I made it kind of my mission to not only like teach myself how to cook, but to teach other people how to cook. Because I realized that, you know, I'm obviously not the only one having this problem. Like there's a lot of busy people out there, busy, yep. you know, employees, busy moms, busy everybody. They don't have time to cook and they're living on frozen food or takeout. And so I started my food blog, uh, which was originally called The Culinary Life and uh, put myself through culinary school twice. I went for savory and pastry, started working in restaurants, had a lot of fun. And then one day I sat down and I started really talking to the people that were like responding to the content that I was creating. You know, I picked like, you know, 10 or 20 people and I sat them down. I got on Skype and we did actual interviews and asked them a lot of questions. And the thing that came up the most for me and for them was a lot of really deep, painful, emotional stuff that I had never thought to equate with food. Wow. So like, I would ask questions like, so how does it make you feel when you go into the kitchen and you, you don't know how to cook? What I heard was tragic. You know, I heard a lot of like, I, I'm not an adult. I feel like a child. Uh, my mother-in-law says I'm a terrible wife. I feel like my children are going to grow up and get sick and die young because I can't feed myself. How can I teach them how to feed themselves? You know, my friends laugh at me when I try to make dinner. Like my one woman, <laughs> she was like, my daughter goes, mama, I want a PBJ. Can you take me to Panera? <laughs> and I was like, oh, there's this emotional component okay. too that I had never really thought about. And so I changed my mission from simply teaching people how to cook to how to build confidence in the kitchen. And then once you have that like nugget of confidence in the kitchen, once you feel like a total badass, like you can accomplish anything, yep. you do what you want to do in the kitchen, feed yourself. You feel like, you know, like a really strong individual like that. 
confidence like carries over into other parts of your life. And so that became my big mission is to give people kitchen confidence, which would then make them much more confident overall in life because they feel better. Like they feel better physically. They feel better about like what they're able to accomplish. And they just feel more like masters of their domain. I never thought about that. I never thought that people feel like ashamed, you know, like I thought it's only related to money that they feel ashamed. I never thought no. that cooking can create that emotional struggle inside. And I never would have found that out if I hadn't like interviewed my customers, right? And wow. you know, people are always telling business owners and CEOs, interview your customers. And people are like, I don't want to do it. It's weird. It's awkward. Uh, you know. But let me tell you, there is like no better way to like figure out what your people are dealing with. And that like that one decision to interview my customers changed the entire trajectory of my business. And that's what made me successful because I listened. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you started with blogging. That's where you started, right? That's, mm-hmm. And then, so when you decided to interview your clients, you were still doing blogging or you were doing something else? I was still blogging, but I also knew that I was at a, at, at a precipice, right? So I was like, oh, something, this is, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I need something bigger. I need something more exciting. And I'd also been injured at work uh, and I was awaiting like spinal surgery, shoulder surgery. And so I couldn't really do much of anything for <laughs> a little while. And so while I was sitting around trying really hard to keep working and not feel sorry for myself, like I thought, well, this is a really great time for me to really decide what I want to do next. Like this time is a gift. Like I don't have to do anything. I'm supposed to be healing. So let's just really decide what's next. And that's when I started conducting the interviews. And then that's, you know, the rest is sort of history, I guess. Okay. So after you conducted the interview, basically that's your decision where you're going to create an online cooking school. Yes. So Fearless Fresh is basically out of the result of your interview with your clients. And then you realize that. Okay, so tell me this. How do you teach cooking online? Do you have like a group of people? Like, I'm curious, like, how do you market that product? What was your struggle at the very beginning? Because you're an IT person, you're not a salesperson. So I'm curious, how do you do that? You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I butt up against that every single day. I'm an IT person. I'm a strategist. I'm a business manager. Like, I'm not a salesperson. So, like, sales is actually something I had to work on. Oh, I, have a that I work on sales with pretty frequently because I think that's something that women just specifically need a lot of help with. We all feel that, you know, sales is creepy and gross and icky. But, I mean, ultimately, if you're... If you're helping people, you're not being gross and icky. You know, I worked with a, a business coach named Kendrick Shope, who I love. I adore her. And she has a really great mantra that she uses, and it's that selling is helping. If you really believe in your product and your product is actually geared to help people, you're not selling them, you're helping them. Like you're changing their life. You should not be ashamed about that. You know, you should feel like really solid in your sales because you are giving them the tools to change their life. And so that really stuck with me. And you know, it's interesting because I go back and I look at blogging, which is really easy, right? Like you, you take a picture, you post a recipe, done, right? Teaching, cooking online is completely different. So I have a videography team. Actually, my, my videography team is one guy, Carl. Does <laughs> it's still more than one. It's you and him, right? right? And then I have, you know, my assistant who helps with all of that. She, you know, I have, actually, I'm really lucky that I have an assistant who's really into food. So we actually film some of the stuff at her house. And she has this beautiful, like, gourmet kitchen. And she's got all the stuff up there because my videographer happens to be in Seattle. And she lives in Seattle. I live in California. 
So if I had to like go to my videographer, I would have had to bring all of this stuff. But Julie's already up there and she's got a gorgeous kitchen with cooking and her house is like cooking at Sir Latov. It's awesome. <laughs> but cooking or teaching cooking online is it's basically very video based, right? I think what sets me apart, one, A, I'm a little different. I don't look like the average person cooking, teaching you to cook on video. Like I have purple hair and I have purple tattoos. You're fun stuff. Yeah. But there's another thing that sets me apart. And it's that in a lot of situations, like whether it be food blogs or, you know, written content, video content on the internet that is trying to teach people how to cook, like they're like, here's my message. See you later. And so the end user is like, I tried this and it didn't work. What went wrong? But they have no help. They have zero support, you know? And in some instances, like you'll see, you know, there's like master class where they have like Gordon Ramsay teaching a class, yes. right? You know, and then there's like a forum and people can ask questions in there. But in a lot of cases, like those questions are being answered by like regular everyday people, which is great. But in my case, I really wanted to offer support, like personal support to people that with answers that come from me, like a professionally trained chef, right? So what I think really sets me apart is in addition to all of these videos that I've got, these video trainings, and my videos are very technique driven because I want people to be able to use what they learn in a lot of different ways versus just one way. But if they have a question, if something doesn't work or they're confused, they can just ask me. I have a forum, like I'm in there, other people are in there. I'm bringing in other chefs so that like it is manned like basically 24 seven. So people can answer, ask cooking questions whenever they're stuck. Uh, my goal is to make Fearless Fresh and the Fearless Cooking Club like the one place to go to learn how to cook. Like you've got your videos, you've got your forum with questions, you've got community around other people. They're also learning how to cook and are probably on the same point in their path as you are. And I want it to be basically an all inclusive place. You, you, you get in there and you never have to go anywhere else. And so everything you need is in one spot. Okay, so when they want to join the online cooking, I assume they have to pay to join that. So your community, it's a paid community. Yes, and so the way it is right now, currently, it's $20 a month or $200 a year. And I've also got a free Facebook group, right? Where I'm in there, I'm answering questions. But the Facebook group actually is a really important part of my funnel, right? Because I get people into the Facebook group and I actually encourage them to go in there from my list. Like even though they're already on my list and I already have their information, I want them in the group because they get to experience like 10% of what you get in my paid program. And in the paid program, what you get, not only you get get the community and all that fun stuff, but you get... Every month, there's a new module released. Every module has four lessons in it, so you can do them weekly. It's kind of the format, but I've learned that people will just do them whenever (laughs) they want. But almost as valuable as the videos are these cooking cheat sheets that I create. So another sort of avenue of my business is I have these printed cooking cheat sheets that I sell. They're laminated, and they're pre-hole punched, and so you have them in the kitchen, and they're basically colorful cooking charts that help you cook without a recipe. But in the Fearless Cooking Club, which is my paid program, you go in there and every week has its own cheat sheets. And honestly, the cheat sheets are more time consuming to create than the videos. And these cheat sheets, I put so much time and energy into this. And so like every cheat sheet is like a hundred recipes, right? So like I just... I just did one for barbecue sauce. So the new module that I'm releasing probably tomorrow in the paid program is called DIY flavor ingredients. And so these are just super simple ingredients that you can put together to take any of your other dishes kind of through the roof flavor wise. And so in this particular module, there's pickled mustard seeds, caramelized onions, uh, homemade barbecue sauce, which you can make however you want. If you like it sweeter or spicier or more tart or less tart, 
I'm hungry right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason why I thought this was so important is because these are really empowering, super simple ways to cook. And so you take these, you know, mustard seeds and you take these pickled carrots and you put them on a burger and your meh burger yeah. is like, oh my God, like incredible. And so for each of those modules, I created a cheat sheet. So like barbecue sauce there's like a chart and it's like, here's all the things that can go into barbecue sauce. Here's your sweet column, your salty column, your tart column, your spicy column. You can mix and match these ingredients. Take two from here, take one from here. Here's your master ratio for this column. So you take two parts, this one part, this, and then here's the instructions. And so you can literally just be like, oh, I've got that. Oh, and I've got that. Oh, and I've got that. I'm just going to put those together and make barbecue sauce. <laughs> wow. so this online cooking school who is your target market so initially i was marketing towards millennials you know i'm kind of in that like i'm in like the gen y generation i'm probably generation catalano or whatever right between generation x and And uh, millennial i have like one foot in each generation yeah okay i know which year are you then because there is that hanging part over there. Okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, like I grew up in like the original Nintendo and the so-called life generation. <laughs> like, you know, I listened to Nirvana and I had a flannel, but I also like I've had a computer since like day one. So it's interesting because like people, millennial generation, like a lot of them can't cook, right? And it's always bummed me out. Like a lot of my friends, like they're like, well, like let's have a dinner party. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to bring potato salad from Safeway. And so my goal was to teach that specific generation how to cook because... And when I first started all of this, like we're at the point now where we're, you know, a lot of people are having kids and like starting their own families and like, you know, or they have kids, they've had kids for a decade, depending on what part of the millennial generation you're in. You're now at the point where your kids are teenagers and like the food ante has been upped a little bit. But what I found, like, despite my best efforts to market to millennials, <laughs> who really loves me are women between the ages of 35 and 60. And I get a lot of baby boomers who have never cooked. A lot of them are retirees or empty nesters or, you know, at the other end, like maybe their spouse has died. And, you know, I have, I have a lot of men in my community that uh, their wife did the cooking and then their wife died. And now these guys are like 70 years old and they don't know how to cook and they, you know, their health is an issue. And, you know, um, I get a lot of women that had a career, had kids, never really learned how to cook. They kind of, they lived on boxed food and frozen food for 50 years, 60 years. And now they're on their verge of retirement. Their health is starting to flag. And they're like, I never learned how to cook. This is awesome. A great hobby for me. You know, I need to, I need to learn how to do this. And then of course I get a a huge percentage of women who are, you know, 40, they have like three teenagers and they're like, this isn't working. I'm gaining weight. Like my hair is falling out. Like I need to, (laughs) I need to fix my diet. I need to teach my kids how to feed themselves because they won't eat anything besides chicken nuggets. Like I need help. (laughs) Okay, so your your community, your online cooking, they get a daily cooking class every day, or is it weekly? Is it every two weeks? How? What is the frequency there? So every month, I, I generate a new module, and every module has four weekly lessons in it. So my original thinking was that I'm going to release a new module every week, mm-hmm. but I realized that people were starting to fall behind, and they were it was developing like kind of a shame spiral. You know, it's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't listen to last or I didn't watch last week's yet. Oh, I'm behind it. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is at your own speed. You can pick and choose. You don't have to watch them all. They're, they're always there. They're not going anywhere. And so now every month I just do a data drop of four lessons. I remove the whole weekly or monthly reference. And I was like, new module, four lessons. Watch them whenever you feel best. <laughs> because I noticed that um, 
it, as is in a, a lot of cases, I think, especially here in the entrepreneurial world, like once yeah. you get behind, you start to get overwhelmed yeah. and you get anxious. And then yes. that overall and anxious actually becomes a bigger factor than the falling behind part or whatever caused you to initially fall behind. And it was negating the whole purpose of what I do, which is helping. Exactly. It's supposed to be fun and relaxing, you know, enjoyable, you know, something that you can share with friends and family, right? So do you do any workshop? What about live workshop? Do you do that? Is that part of your business model as well or just strictly online? I do do uh, live workshops. I haven't done so many this year. Uh, My grandmother got sick. Uh, She developed cancer, so I helped care for her. And then she died. And then the arrangements after her passing were very all-consuming. And so this year has been a little different uh, for my business model just because life... Yes, things happen. My big goal for towards the end of the year is to do a big knife skills challenge. And part of that will be live. Uh, but then to start doing more live workshops within the paid program, but to also do more live workshops within my free Facebook group. So I have a Facebook group. Uh, it's called the Fearless Fresh Kitchen Ninjas, and it's totally free. And I'm in there answering cooking questions. What I really like to start doing is more free workshops in there. So that people really get an idea of like what they'll find in the Fearless mm-hmm. Cooking Club, right? Yeah. And so yeah. the Facebook group is a really big part of my funnel because like there's all these people on my list and they get emails. But I mean, an email is like, you know. It's different. Yeah. You know, it's like, a, it's like on a windy day, you see like leaves blowing across the yard. Like those are emails. That's my analogy for email, right? And so the Facebook group they get in there and they're like, oh, this is what it could be. Yes. And so I, my second goal for the end of this year is to also start doing a lot of workshops in that free group so that people have a better idea of what they'll get if they pay me. <laughs> okay. Because I think the Facebook group is, is showing your personality as well. You go live over there, you talk over there, they see how fun you are. So you're not like a typical chef, right? So you give them a flavor of how does it feel if you join the the paid group? Okay. So what were your challenges when you starting this business? Well, besides my health challenges. Yes. So I, like I said, I had some injuries uh, and then I had my ulcerative colitis to contend with. Although once I got divorced, my colitis magically went away. Oh, funny how that works. (laughs) So what is that telling you, Steph? (laughs) I know, right? Like diet and divorce. Like those are the two things that saved my life. But honestly, my biggest, biggest hurdle in building this business is that I grew up with two parents who made taking pot shots at my self-esteem kind of the household hobby. And so it took me decades to erase all of that damage that was done. Like instead of like love and support from my parents, what I received was criticism and insults. And I came from a very toxic family background, unfortunately. And I say this because a lot of people think I'm nuts about talking about this publicly, but the reality is that in my family, mental health was a serious issue. And because of that, I struggled with my own mental health issues. I struggled with depression. I struggled with anxiety. And every day, that is something that I have to look in the eye and like push it back down in its little seat. I actually have a a little plastic dinosaur that I keep around. It's a little velociraptor. (laughs) I named it Bob, which is my dad's name. And every time that like little voice in my head starts to be like, you're awful. You're a terrible person. You don't know what you're doing. You're stupid. Blah, blah, blah. I take that little dinosaur and I throw it out the window as hard as I can. And it can be immensely helpful. But the only way I was able to deal with all of that, all of that baggage is a lot of therapy. Honestly, therapy and just being really kind with myself. Like the one thing that I have learned over the years is that avoiding negative emotions get you in the end. Like that stuff goes in. 
and it sits there. It's not going anywhere until you deal with it. So the more stuff you pack into that baggage, the bag starts to overfill and you can't close it anymore. And I found a really incredible uh, PTSD therapist working with her saved my life. And once I was able to get through like those initial hurdles of I'm not good enough, mm-hmm. like nothing I do is good enough. I'm going to fail. Everything I do fails. Like once I was able to get past that, it's kind of incredible how quickly things started to happen. So you were in therapy when you started your business. Yes. As a lot of entrepreneurs know, like once you end up in the spotlight in some yes. way and once suddenly you're your own boss, like all those yeah. little voices come out oh. of nowhere that are like, this isn't good enough. You can't put this out there. You don't deserve it. That's oh, a big one. Man. You don't deserve good things. You don't deserve money. Like, you know, that whole like broke poor mindset because I came from a poor family, right? Of like money is bad. Only bad people have money. Money is taught, you know, all the garbage that comes with it. And like, honestly, therapy was the only way I was going to get out of that. That was your biggest. Yeah. So did you have any business coach? Like who taught you about marketing? Because marketing is hard in that regard. Like I feel it myself, you know, to overcome, I'm not good enough. You know, my service is not valuable, right? Because you are, yours is very specific, same as mine. Like I felt like it's, it's different, you know? And what did you do for your marketing? Because I come from an enterprise IT background, I'm like a tech strategist, right? Marketing, I was like, it's like a whole other language. So I, because of technical, like I built my entire online cooking school myself. (laughs) Yeah, I built my shop platform. I built all the integrations. Like I, I was able to do all of that on my own which unfortunately is also a really easy way to hide as it turns out. So when you're scared about success, you're like, well, I'm going to go build a tech platform from scratch. Because you feel like you're productive, but ultimately like you could be using your time in a way more productive place. Like overall, like I've been able to find some really incredible coaches. Uh, Sales is still something I have to work on, right? Because I try really hard to be authentic. Actually, I don't have any, actually, I don't have to try to be authentic. I have no choice. Like I am who I am. I am who I am. You gotta take it or leave it. Like I can't be anything. Other. I have zero proof. <laughs> I found a lot of really incredible marketing sales coaches. So right now I'm working with a woman named Danny Meyer. She works specifically with uh, food people, food bloggers. Oh, food I know people. her. Danny's amazing. She's in the, in one group together with me, with Renee Rebar. I'm pretty sure that's her. I have never seen somebody pour so much time and energy into her, her coaches. I guess that's a good word. She has so much energy and uh, we have like this private group. And uh, it's funny because I call her the queen rock star because she's like, that woman moves, she never stops moving. And she's so helpful. She has so much focus and so much drive to help people. And uh, she has been super incredible in helping me build my funnel. I built it from a technical side, but then as far as like what goes into it, it was kind of a gray area. Marketing still continues to be an area that I will probably always have to work on because it does not come naturally to me. Like I hate social media. Like I was in the first wave of social media and I loved it. I was like, I had a Twitter account within a month of it opening. Like I was on Instagram immediately, Facebook. I was on Facebook when I was still for colleges only. And now I hate it. <laughs> so it's like a lot of my success, I feel like has been based on the fact that I don't spend a lot of time on social media. And so it's really hard for me to reconcile that I need to market on social media, but not spend all my time there because it's designed to spend all your time there. Honestly, like the next person I hire will probably be a social media strategist so that I don't have to do it because 
if I open up like my browser window and I spend my time on social media, like that's it for the day. Even if I manage to like keep it down to an hour, at the end of that hour, I don't have any energy. I don't want to do anything. My brain is like, <laughs> I know. Hey, 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 listen, I'm inviting you to really think about your financial self-care in your journey. Don't wait until you are bitter and hate your business. For that, I open five spots for free cash flow audit for businesses generating 200K who have their eyes on a half a million dollars. This business owners think that if they increase their revenue to have a million dollars, they will be able to have a six-figure salary. Mm-mm, that's not always the case. I have seen far too many entrepreneurs who bring in so much cash to their business, yet they only pay so little to themselves, if at all. This is how the process works. First, I will ask you to fill out a financial questionnaire. Second, schedule a time for your free 60-minute session with me. Third, I will review your information and prepare for our session. Fourth, bring the most important question that you have about your business finance, and I will answer your question during our session. Now, send me an email at christina at christinashahli.com to book your spot. Let me spell it for you. C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A at C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-S-J-A-H-L-I.com. Now, let's continue with the episode. Okay, what moment help you in achieving success in your business? Because, you know, like I want to ask, like my guests are six figures and above. So what is that moment that, you know, because some people, some guests, they're saying to me, like I I had an online Amazon expert guru. And then she said, what truly helped her was the moment Amazon opened, I couldn't even remember the name, like a specific program where she just joined at that right moment. And then it's just exploded. So what is that moment for you that you realize, oh man, this is going to be big. I don't know if I've ever had one solid moment. I would have loved to have one great moment, right? But for me, it was like, I think smaller moments, smaller moments where either something clicked really easily or I just suddenly, I felt in my gut that something was connecting. Like the first time I worked with a really solid coach, um, her name was Melissa Lands. She runs a company called The Fresh 20. She does meal plans. And so she's also on food. I tend to stick with coaches that are at least familiar with the food space just because it's such a weird area. Like it's got a lot of like bizarre bits and pieces that aren't really don't exist in other areas. And I think it was when I, I did my very first product and I, it was the printed cheat sheets and I, had, I learned a lot about printing and shipping and, <laughs> and like sourcing locally versus sourcing elsewhere. And I was just kind of like dragging my feet. And so Melissa, Melissa's like the first 20 is like a four or $5 million company. And so she was like, if you get it done by Friday, I will send it out to my list. And I was like, ah, and <laughs> I did it. I just, I didn't sleep for two days. I just put everything together, sent it out to her list and it exploded. It like people bought these things. People had never heard of my brand bought these things. And then people started like replying because I sent out another email saying, well, you got it. What do you think? I just got all these amazing reviews. Like all of them were five-star reviews across the top. And I was like, oh, I really hit on something here. 
And then another one was when I first launched the Fearless Cooking Club. Like I had my beta group of people, there were like 40 or 50 people in there. And after they'd been in there for a couple of months, kind of working with the content, like I was like, okay, so what do you think? How can I make it better? They're like, you can't, it's amazing. And I was like, well, okay, come on. I can, I, there's gotta be something I missed. You know, I just started it. How can I make it better? And they're like, everybody, every single person was like, it's amazing. Don't change anything. And I was like, wow. And then they started, again, the reviews started rolling in because I asked for testimonials and all of the testimonials were incredible because one thing that I really focus on both in my free Facebook group and in the, the Fearless Cooking Club is support. So there, I have a little thing, a disclaimer that says, if you are a cranky pants, do not even bother because I will open a can of whoop ass and you are out of here. I will refund your money and you are gone. Like this is a safe space and I have no patience for people that are cranky or mean or whiny, just no. And so because I kept this group really safe and really supportive. And honestly, one of my biggest roles in that group is a cheerleader, you know, it's like, this looks great. You did an awesome job. You know, like those people, man, they come for the support and they stay for the support. They love it. Like the cheat sheets are great. The videos are great. But what they really want is somebody to be like, you are kicking ass. You are doing a great job and this might not have worked out, but you tried it. And you are way better than you were like two months ago. And the next time you do it, it's going to be amazing. And they're just like, oh, awesome. (laughs) And so I think like all those like collective moments of people saying, this is great. I love it. Every single one of those was like a little tiny moment that add up to maybe just like a big solid moment overall. I think, you know, this is going back to what you said earlier at the beginning of the interview, where you ask your customers, what do you like? How can I improve this? So that's like a key to your success. It seems like you're talking to your audience, you're listening to them, and then you're providing what, what they really want. So do you offer like a one-on-one or, you know, cooking lesson to anybody or maybe one-on-one to somebody that want to do coaching with you now because you have the experience, right, to build a mm-hmm. business. So do you do something like that for your business? I used to, I don't currently, I've been thinking about going back to it, but the big issue is that the fearless cooking club is kind of all consuming. And in order to provide the level of care that I want from my members, like I need to be all in with that. Mm -hmm. And like, I I occasionally debate what it would look like to come up with like a premium program that like had me like doing individual cooking lessons. And I haven't found a way that really gels right with my business model and keeps the fearless cooking club completely safe. Like Mm -hmm. my goal at some point in the future is to bring in additional chefs. So I'm not the only one like in there being a cheerleader and like a cooking teacher. That's still off in the future. But right now, like what I'm debating doing is doing like cohorts, right? So if I do like a premium cohort where it's like whatever the premium price would be, and then you are in a group of 10 people, right? And this 10 people is like a sub community. And then we have like weekly live calls where you can get on, you can ask me a question, you know, whatever you want. You still get a piece of me live. You're not like clamoring amongst all the other people in the community to get attention, but you're also still getting like a little bit more personal that feels personal without it being like, you know, one-on-one, which unfortunately I just don't, I mean, how many hours are in a day? (laughs) I don't have enough time to like spend one-on-one time with everybody. Okay. So not right now. And then I I get it. It's either you're trading, you're trading time or you're hiring another person to replicate you. I, I heard this from another guest, like she wants to grow. And then because she wants to grow, she feels like she has to replicate herself. Like there's got to be a twin, her twin, right? (laughs) That taking care of everything. So she has to change her mindset, 
right? She has to change her mindset. She has to change her strategy. It's a big thing. If you're growing, right? And then you want to scale, it's a huge thing. So now I'm going to ask you this. What metric do you use to make sure that you have a positive cash flow from your business? So I'm highly organized and I'm also a spreadsheet junkie. And so I have all of these spreadsheets like on all yeah. these different areas of like my financial health. And I, I, I believe that what you focus on grows. I'm kind of a, uh, a little woo in that way. Like I'm all, I'm very, uh, as far as like my goals go, like I'm very, I feel like if you focus on them, like you have, you'll, you'll, they'll happen. Like there's, it just yeah. won't happen the other way. It might take longer than you like, but they will eventually show up if you keep going, you know? I apply this to my financial strategy as well. So I have all these different spreadsheets and they basically, I log where money's coming in, where money is going out. Like I keep very tight uh, focus on like what is happening with like pretty much every penny that comes in and out of my business. And it be keeping focus on those, on all those like spreadsheets. And like, I, I got really nerdy with the spreadsheets, right? So like they all have like totals at the end that like one big number in bold. And by keeping focus on those spreadsheets, I found that it's really hard for me to lose focus on money. And so I don't know if that's really the answer you're looking for, right? But just, I guess my, my big tactic is just staying super focused and knowing where. So basically you are reviewing your numbers. That is, that is like the question, right? Because I think before the interview, you told me that you have a bookkeeper and then you have a tax accountant, but as the CEO of your company, you are looking at it and then you are making sure what is coming in as your cash inflow is not going to be less than your cash outflow. So that's key. And then that's exactly what I'm looking for. Now, what about for your membership site? What metrics are you using to make sure like the number of people that is converting from your Facebook group translate into your membership? Do you focus on that? Like, do you use Facebook ads? Like, what is your strategy there? So yeah, I mean, it's, that's, that's the ongoing fight for a membership site, right? It's churn, right? People come, people go. Okay. I've been very lucky and a lot of people uh, that join the Fairless Cooking Club don't leave, which is apparently unheard of. And, and in fact, the, the biggest problem that I run into with losing members of the Fairless Cooking Club is not that they necessarily leave. It's that their payment fails because it's like an automatically build thing. And then they just never fix it. Right. And so, you know, like I just had somebody, her wallet was stolen and she was like, oh, my wallet was stolen. And, you know, then I was like, okay, well, here's how to change your credit card. And she just never did it. Right. And so it's not so much an issue of like keeping up with people who are like leaving because I'm very lucky in that capacity. And I think that's maybe a result of me putting so much time and energy into it. Right. Like because I put so much of myself into this group they feel like they're joining a family mm-hmm. and they're getting a lot of support there that they may or may not get elsewhere. And I think that, you know, the support component is really important as far as like converting people from the Facebook group to the paid program or from my list of the paid program. I mean, that's, you know, that's a marketing thing. That's like an ongoing thing. Right. So I run some Facebook ads. Uh, I'm still in the process of perfecting my funnel. Uh, it's working right now. Um, I'm debating like how I want to go about it. I'm actually reading this really great book. Excellent secrets by Russell Brunson. Yes. Because Danny, I think, is a student of Russell. Yeah. And so, I mean, Russell Brunson, like, he's kind of that, like, dude bro entrepreneur kind of vibe, which I'm not super into. But, like, I mean, he's a smart guy. And he really, you, he's, he's brilliant, right? And this book, actually, it's like a, I mean, you can read this whole book in, like, two hours. Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson. Really? Two hours? Oh, yeah, because it's mostly, it's very short read. And there's a lot of pictures in it. Like, he's got a lot of these little diagrams that are just, like, you know, trying to illustrate the point. And the, I mean, the, what he's teaching is not complicated. It's very simple, right? It's just people make it complicated in their head. And so like I'm in a process right now of perfecting my funnel. 
I'm really going to be ramping up my Facebook ad strategy at the end of this year. I'm using Facebook ads right now, but I'm not necessarily, I haven't found the sweet spot. And I, like anybody who's worked with Facebook ads knows that like things change on a dime, right? Something will work, something will work, something will work. And then it just stops. And then you're basically starting all over again. And that's where I'm at right now. Like my ads, like something changed. And unaware. Means, yeah. Facebook doesn't tell us. And now I need to figure out what, what is going to perform again. So you're still doing all of that on your own. Well, I have found with Facebook ads because I've hired Facebook ad people in the past and none of them have performed as well as I can. And I try not to get stuck in that place. Like I have to do it all because I'm the only one that can do it right. It's a really dangerous place to go. But in, in this instance, for whatever reason, Facebook ads, the consultants I've hired don't perform. And I, I think it's because in Facebook ads, there's so many variables that are specific to your company. And if somebody isn't in your company, like they're going to have a hard time finding out who to target. They're going to have a hard time picking copy. They're going to have a hard time picking images because they don't know. Like I can look at 10 images and be like that image right there. My people will like that. Whereas I hire a consultant and they're like, well, we're going to test all of them. And I, I get it. But like, I know for a fact that some of those images will not perform and they're just like, they don't know. And so I need to find, you know what I need to find is I need to find a Facebook ad person who focuses on food. If you're well, a Facebook ad person who focuses on food, call me. <laughs> I, I was going to say that. I'm like, because you have, you work with coaches that are focusing on food. Now you need like social media manager, Facebook ads that are focusing on food. Then I think you're going to get what, what you really want. Exactly. And it's funny because like I worked, I worked with one Facebook ad person who I know for a fact brought in somebody else, like made that, like planned them a $2 million launch. So I was like, great, come work for me. Nothing. Huh. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it's very niche driven. <laughs> okay. So when were you able to start paying yourself from your business? Oh, I've paid myself since day one. <gasps> <laughs> Good for you. So I have a no, I have a no debt policy, and occasionally, like I mean, when we're business owners, occasionally we, we incur debt. Like that's just yes. the reality of it, right? Like when I first built this thing, like I had to pay my videographer like eight thousand dollars, and that's just life, right? You know, you know, paying myself from the very beginning is what made it worth it because otherwise, you know, one thing I try to really avoid as a policy is working for myself and having the world's worst boss, right? Because very good. And I'm not paying myself. I am a lousy boss. And so I've paid myself since day one just because I need to live. The whole reason I'm doing this is to help people. And if I'm not helping myself as well as I'm helping other people, then what's the point, right? Like I can't help other people if I'm coming from a place that I'm not taking care of myself. So I've had to take care of myself from day one. Okay. So how did you manage that? It's a little bit of a juggle, right? So okay. You know, I've worked with coaches in the past and they're like, well, you need to, you know, dedicate $10,000 to Facebook ads. And I'm like, okay, no. <laughs> well, I'm going to dedicate $5,000 to Facebook ads and I'm going to give myself $5,000. And they're like, well, if you have $10,000 for your Facebook ad strategy, you should dedicate it towards that. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to give $5,000 to the Facebook ad strategy and I'm going to give myself $5,000. <laughs> and then I'm going to take that $5,000 from the Facebook ad strategy and I'm going to make $10,000 that I can dedicate to Facebook ads. And then I'm still going to give myself $5,000. <laughs> I love that. You know what? You know, I am so happy that you said that because so many business owners, they forget to pay themselves, right? They care about many others around them paying their contractors, but they forget to care for themselves. And 
I'm so happy that you say that, that you are able to pay yourself from the very beginning because that you're right. If you're grumpy, you're not happy as the CEO, what are you going to do? Exactly. Exactly. And then you know what? Like you're putting your oxygen mask first for yourself before you can like help other others. That's how the analogy that I'm using. Exactly. Like if, honestly, if I'm paying everybody else and not paying myself, that's a priority problem, right? <laughs> exactly. Put yourself as a priority because only then you're going to feel happy that, you know what, I work so hard. And then because of that, I am able to pay myself as well. You appreciate yourself. Absolutely. And actually it does a lot to really help uh, relinquish fear, right? So if I'm freaking out about money, I'm not good for anybody at that point, you know, yep. like it's, it's really hard for me to look at my contractors and be like, here's all my money and I'm struggling at home. Like that, that's not going to work for me. You know, I like, I need to take care of like mama, I'm going to take care of herself first. <laughs> exactly. And, and I completely agree with that. So Steph, what is your best advice to other female entrepreneurs? who they want to be a blogger. Maybe they want to do something. Just what is your best advice? Keep going, despite what the little voice in your head says and what like your parents might've said to you or what some, you know, some friend, quote unquote, friend said to you, like, just keep going. I have a little thing on my um, keychain. It's a, like an Emily McDowell. It's like a little metal thing. And it looks like a, a badge and it says kept going. Like it's an award for kept going, right? Because like there are so many times in my business I heard, that's what you do? People buy that? Are you sure? I don't know about that business idea. Like, you know, like when you're, when you're done with this thing and you go back to a real job, dot, 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 like, oh, there's a lot of that. Or like, like, I remember my ex-husband once said to me, I don't want to work anymore. And I was like, well, what are we, what, what, how are we going to survive? He's like, well, you just need to get a real job. Like, <laughs> basically, like the only way that you're going to meet any level of success in your entrepreneurial career, and that includes blogging, is if you basically like kibosh the haters and realize fully and completely that anything you focus on, you will eventually accomplish as long as you stay focused on it and never stop moving. And like, I have a different view of failure. Like, I don't feel like a mistake is a failure. I don't feel like a failure, quote unquote, is a failure. Unless you give up, that's the failure, right? So if you try something and it doesn't work, it's an experiment that didn't pan out. <laughs> and wow. you take that information and you continue on your way. I mean, even if you're stumbling forward, even if you're crawling forward, even if you're just like shuffling like a half an inch forward, keep moving forward. Like I just had to take care of my grandma and she died in this year. And I still had a launch. I didn't have a lot of resources or time or energy to, to dedicate to it, but I wrote five emails, sent it out to my list, and I got a bunch of new people. And it was because I didn't just lay down and be like, I can't do this right now. Like I realized I had no time or energy to dedicate to this. And so I just, I, I thought to myself, I can do an hour. It's an hour. I can write five emails. My grandma goes to bed at like nine o'clock. Like I can write five emails. And I, I kind of stumbled forward and it still worked out. And like, that's my overall like strategy, right? It's just don't stop moving forward. Like take a nap when you need to. Absolutely. <laughs> but never, ever stop moving forward, even if it's only an inch. And get rid of all the people in your life that are like, that doesn't make any sense. That's stupid because those people will kill you. Like very quietly, every little comment takes a chunk of your soul. Do not let them have your soul. It's yours. It belongs to you. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good. So what helped you bounce back? Because everybody has low moments, right? 
So what helped you to bounce back and then keep moving that one inch? Honestly, self-care. I keep moving forward, but if I wake up one day and my body's like, nope, you have worked eight days in a row. I'm like, okay, we're going to stay in bed today. Mm. We're going to watch a movie. We're going to work in the garden. We're going to go out for a hike. And then we're going to get back up tomorrow and keep going, right? And that's the thing, right? Is like, I'm all for like, you need to keep moving forward, but you also, you can't move forward at the detriment of your health, of your physical health, your family health. Like you need to prioritize, right? I I saw a quote the other day, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was basically like, if you don't put time and energy into self-care now, if you don't make the choice, take care of self-care right now, Mm -hmm. your body will force you to against your will later or something like that, right? And so I've learned that I should not work seven days a week, 12 hours a day. And I spend a lot more time outside now. Like I garden. I have, I'm right now I'm looking out the window at my beautiful nectarine tree. It's full of nectarines. And I've like been tending this for years now. I've got a lot of things that fill me up that are not work-related. I was, I'm a workaholic. And I think it's really common for a lot of people who suffer mm-hmm. from PTSD. You know, we're trying to fill that like self-worth hole with work. Mm. And it never works. And I've had to learn to purposefully take a step back and take care of myself and do things that fill me up in other ways besides work. And as long as I'm doing that, I, I don't struggle nearly as much as I used to with like burnout. And even when life like throws stuff at me, you know, like my, my grandma got sick because I was so focused on caring for her and caring for myself. Like I didn't really suffer a lot of burnout. There was a lot of time consuming, time consuming stuff involved, but like my spirit remained intact. Yeah. Because that is so important. So do you still enjoy cooking for yourself? (laughs) Yeah, I do. But I don't cook nearly as much as I should. uh, Simply because, you know, now I'm I'm just your average working person, right? Like I have to work a lot to keep my business afloat. And I find myself spending a lot of time. And it's actually been really helpful with my fearless cooking club as well, right? Because like my, in my heart, what I love to teach are these really big extravagant projects. And nobody's got time for that. And so when I'm personally, in my personal life, focusing on ways to create beautiful dishes that are really flavorful, really fast, that's the stuff I send over to the Fearless Cooking Club and they love it, right? Because they're struggling with the same thing that I'm struggling with right now. And like, you know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, there are still nights where I like, go, like the other day, I, my day was packed and I was hungry and I stopped at Trader Joe's and I grabbed a thing of frozen raviolis and like, you know, that's what my husband and I had for dinner, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's life, right? Yes. Like. One thing I try to, to really push in all of my communities is to not be dogmatic, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the perfectionist. That's what will get you, right? Mm-hmm. If you're stuck in any level of perfectionism, mm-hmm. shame comes right behind it, yes. right? So if you need to like, you know, have a thing of frozen tortellini. Mm-hmm. Why? Yes, it's life. Life happens, right? And then you shouldn't feel bad about it. Exactly. And sometimes like the more cute problem is starvation, in which case you eat what is available. <laughs> exactly. I completely agree with that. Yeah, but I do still love to cook. I just, uh, I wish I had more time for it. So what is your favorite cooking tool? Oh, it's so silly, but it really is my favorite cooking tool. And it's uh, this, it's just a, a simple wooden paddle, right? Like I hate wooden spoons. I don't know why I hate wooden spoons. <laughs> like if you look at a spoon, like it's rounded, right? So when you like scrape on the bottom of your pot, it leaves a very thin line and then everything else around it sticks and burns and it drives me insane. And so I use wooden paddles and you can get them for cheap, usually at any cookware store. Like you get a bamboo one for three bucks yeah. and it's a flat edge. It's like two or three inches and you can the whole bottom of your pan really you know what I gotta try that because I have wooden spoon I know what you're talking about 
Yeah. And you're like, oh, I gotta scrape the whole yeah. room and it takes forever. <laughs> you know what I really love? You know how that grading. Oh, microplane. Yes. Yeah, I, I love my microplane too. That is like, I, I read it somewhere because I cook a lot of Asian food and then a lot of Asian food using ginger, right? And then if you keep ginger, mm-hmm. just it, it's, it got rotten like in a few weeks. So I keep it in the freezer, right? So, and then I just use that microplane like every time. It's so useful. That is, I love favorite. my microplane. And they make so many of them too. I have one for chocolate and it like, so like if you ever make a cake and your cake is just yeah. not looking great, mm-hmm. like if you just cover it with plain frosting, but then you take a microplane, like one of the wider ones and you shave chocolate curls, like your cake will look professionally done in like 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a very good trick. That's a very good trick. I love that. So tell me, where can people find you? My main website is fearlessfresh.com. And then I also have fearlesscookingclub.com. Actually, technically it's fearlesscooking.club, but they both go to the same place. I'm on Instagram and my Instagram address is actually instagram.com and my first initial last name, which is S Stiavetti, S-S-T-I-A-V-E-T-T-I. And I'm on Pinterest under pinterest.com slash fearlessfresh. If you want to find me on Facebook, my free Facebook group, you can just go to Facebook and search for fearlessfresh kitchen ninjas and you join the group and i'll approve you and come on in and check it out i will join that and i will put everything in the show notes awesome so steph thank you so much for being here i i have so much fun talking about your business thank you for having me thank you so much for listening to another powerful episode of her ceo journey podcast don't forget to subscribe on itunes stitcher Google Play, and SoundCloud, so you will not miss another episode. My hope, this podcast resonates and inspires you to continue your own CEO journey. If you are inspired, please leave a nice review on iTunes so more female entrepreneurs will listen to this podcast. And when you are ready to pay yourself like a true CEO, take control over your finances and want to know how to grow your business through the power of finance and positive cash flow, visit my website, kristinashahli.com and download my free video training series. Now, let's continue your CEO journey in confidence and make sure you inspire other female entrepreneurs.